Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. Open your Bibles again uh, to Mark chapter 9. We're going to read there again in just a moment. But I pray that you are having a wonderful week. It's so good to see you this morning, and I'm just glad that we can be here in God's house together this morning. I was uh, singing a song yesterday, a song I learned when I was on this conference with Landon, and it was, it is better to be one day in your courts than a thousand or ten thousand anywhere else was the point of the song. And David said, I was glad to come into the house of the Lord. And I pray that you found it, that you are glad to come this morning. I'm, I pray that you are excited to be here this morning where we can gather together and worship together in God's house. And it is a wonderful privilege and a joy and a pleasure that we may come. Uh, I often hear people say, well, I've got to go to church this morning. Or I I sometimes say, I get to go to church this morning. But I heard it put another way, I may come to church this morning. I I had the privilege, the opportunity, the blessing to come to meet with you and before God in God's house. We can worship Him anywhere. We ought to worship Him anywhere. Uh, Jesus said there's a day coming when not this place or that place, but in every place you can worship And we certainly can, but it's wonderful to come together in corporate worship and worship Him. I want to bring a message to you this morning about how to be great. As we're reading our passage this morning, they were arguing over who is the greatest. And so I want to share with you about how we can be great in God's version of great, God's definition of great this morning. And so I'm going to let you remain seated, of course, as we've already stood, but I would encourage you as we've been doing the last several weeks, to hold your Bible up if you have it with you. Hold that Bible up and say along with me, this is the Word of God. I will read it, I will believe it, and I will obey it by the grace of God. Mark 9, and again, I'm going to begin reading in verse 30. Now remember, this is just 10 days or so somewhere within a week, two weeks after they had come down from Mount Transfiguration. So we're still following the same train of thought, the same timeline where Jesus had had uh, Peter, James, and John up on what's known as Mount Transfiguration, or became known as Mount Transfiguration, where Jesus was transfigured before them. They then are coming down from the mountain, and that's when they come across the man and the boy who had the demon, possess, demon spirit, and the disciples could not cast it out. And Jesus said, it's because you're not prayed up, uh, is the idea. you got to have a close walk with me uh, to do the work that I've called you to do. And we talked about that last week. And so now, it's right after that, and we see that Jesus is leading them on through Galilee. So that's the context that we're in. And so, verse 30, they departed thence and passed through Galilee, and he would not that any man should know it. And the reason for that was they were walking 
kind of quietly, secretly, uh, not announcing because he wanted to teach them some things, and crowds would throng them, and so they kind of not, I guess I'm going to use words sneaking around, but they were quietly going about their journey. Verse 31, for he taught his disciples and said unto them, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. Now, this is the second time that he is telling them, point blank, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to rise again. And they understood not that saying, and they were afraid to ask him. And he came to Capernaum, and in the and he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that ye disputed among yourselves by the way? And they held their peace, for they by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all, and the servant of all. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children of my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. So let's go ahead and pray under the understanding of we're talking about how to be great, and we're going to talk about God's kind of great and how we are to become great in his sight. Let us pray this morning. Father, we come to you and we ask that you would meet with us here this morning. Father, we pray that you would grant that this be our desire today, that God, we would call on you uh, to arise. Father, we pray that you'd meet us here in this place, uh, that we would be clothed in your righteousness, and that we be clothed in salvation. But God, that we would invite you to come and be part of this service, this worship here in your place. And God, I pray that we would understand that we are in your house and that we are in your presence. And God, I pray that we would understand that we are here for you. And we want to rejoice in your goodness. Father, I think about the prayer that I read of Solomon as he prayed, dedicating the temple, and how he asked, Oh God, don't turn away from us in this place. Don't turn your face from us. But God, we thank you that you promised to always go with us and to never leave us nor forsake us, and that your steadfast love is for we, your servants. And God, I pray that you would do a mighty work in our hearts, in our lives, in this place. Use us to be great for your namesake. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want you to see this morning several things, but I want you to see, I got really just two major points this morning. And number one is I want you to see the problem of our desire to be great. The problem of our desire to be great. Now, let me back up just a little bit and tell you a little bit more about the context of what's going on. Here they are. They're coming down from Mount Transfiguration. They're coming back or they're coming out of a great miracle where Jesus had taught them, you've got to be prayed up. You've got to be walking right. You've got to be walking close with God in order to have the power 
that goes along with your faith to do the things that God has called you to do. That's what he's telling the disciples when he says, this kind only come out by prayer and fasting. It wasn't some special kind of demon. It was the fact that they had allowed their spiritual life to drift a little bit while Jesus was with the other three disciples on Mount Transfiguration. And so that's why their faith was not as strong as it could be, and that's why for us we have to be prayed up, focused on him and walking with him so that we can be the kind of examples and be the messengers and do the work that he has called us to do. So that's where they're at, and then they're coming down and they're arguing among themselves Who's the greatest? Now, part of this is probably because Peter and James and John had just been called aside and they had seen Jesus transfigured. And Jesus said, don't tell anybody. I don't think he meant don't tell the other disciples. He was saying don't tell the rest of the world yet because it wasn't time for him to be revealed as the Messiah to everybody because they would come and make him king because the Jews, again, they thought that Jesus was going to come and start a revolt and build an army and throw off the shackles of the Roman oppressors and set things right. And so he said, don't tell anybody yet. It'll be revealed later. But the disciples surely were talking among themselves, and there probably was, hey, we got to see Jesus in his glory. And the other disciples were like, well, why did you get to see him and not us? And Peter and James and John may have gotten a little full of themselves, and suddenly there's a discussion now about who's the greatest among the disciples. That's the argument that is taking place about who's going to be the best, who's going to be first. In fact, later there's a conversation where James and John actually send their mother to go to Jesus to basically request that when they get to heaven, when they get to the kingdom, when they get to be in glory, that they get seats on either side of Jesus because they wanted to be the greatest. They wanted to be first. And so Jesus begins to teach them some things about wanting to be best or wanting to be first. The idea of being first there is the idea of being greatest, the idea of being best. He said, if you want to be first, you've got to be last, and you've got to be a servant. Now understand a couple things. All of us, to one extent or another, want to be great. If we're honest, most of us. Now, there may be somebody that says, well, I don't really have that desire. You want to be thought well of. There may be some people that are super shy or just have really low self-esteem, but you want to have more esteem. You want to be the thing, have more confidence. There, there are very few people, and I, 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 again, I don't know anybody like this, that if they were just honest about it, they would say, no, I really don't want to be first. I really don't want to be noticed. I mean, there's some people say I might not want to be noticed, but you want to be recognized. Maybe not publicly. I, I think of my wife. My wife doesn't want to be recognized publicly. She doesn't want me to even mention her name while I'm preaching a service. And the last thing she wants is for me to say, hey, Tracy, come on up here for a minute. She gets as nervous as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs when we do pastor appreciation and Jimmy will call up Tracy and the kids up on the stage with me. And rightfully so, recognizing them along with me when you all do that, it's wonderful and I'm so thankful that you appreciate us. But Tracy's like, a, I mean, she just, that's not her thing. She does all kinds of things in the background and whether it be here or whether it be at school or whether it be at home, she does all kinds of things that nobody ever really notices or says anything about and she doesn't want to be noticed or called out 
but she wants, if I know my wife, she wants to think I'm doing a good job. I want she. If you send her a private word of recognition, like I really appreciate what you did, she likes that. Everybody likes a little pat or a little recognition every now and then. Some people have to have it more than others, but some people have to have it far less than others. But everybody wants to be. I think of children. When I was a kid, we used to have um, every, the, the last Sunday of every month, we had candy night at church. Now, I went to a fairly large church. It wasn't a mega church, but when my grandfather was pastor, the church that I grew up in, now when I was a baby, we ran five, six, seven hundred. That's a pretty big church. But then when I was, most of my, my grandfather died three weeks after I was born, and most of my childhood and teenage years, we ran around 150, 200 people in church. We had a good-sized church, not a mega church, but a a good-sized church. We had candy night, and so you'd have 25 or so kids that would line up at Mr. Luther's office. He was the family outreach director, and he had a box of junk, little trinkets, little, it used to be called penny candy, and then as I was growing up, it was three penny candy, and now it's like a quarter candy, but you know what I'm talking about. Little trinkets they would get, I think of probably Miss Elaine, stuff that she would pick up at the flea market, just little knick-knack kind of stuff. And he had it in a giant box, and you would come up as a kid, and you would get to pick out things. And you know what happened when it was candy night, or anytime we had a fellowship meal in the church? The kids were ready to race to the door As soon as that prayer, or before that prayer was over, the kids were backing out and running down to get in line. Why? They wanted to be first. And then you had the adults, when it was mealtime, the kids would race out and get in line first, and the parents would be like, hey, 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 you wait and you get in line with over here. You don't need to always be the one to go first. You know why they said that? They wanted to go first. Right? Let's just be honest. We want to get our food while it's hot, or we want to get our choice of the food, or we want to be the one that we don't want them to run out of what's there. Now, in our spiritual sense, in our spiritual nature, we say, well, you go right ahead, brother so-and-so. But in reality, we say, go right ahead, but that person takes the last dumpling, that last piece of, that last spoon of nanner pudding, all of a sudden you're not so glad that you let them go first, are you? We want to be great. We want to be first. We want to be recognized. We want to be significant. We want these things. We want to have, listen, we want to have, if I'm going to hit that, there we go. Yeah. It feeds the flesh is the problem. Now, I want to point out something, and I'm going to say it again in a minute. When you read your Bible here, Jesus didn't say, don't be first. Don't be great. That's not what it says. It says, if any man desire to be first, if you want to be first, he didn't say don't be first, don't want it. He said, if you do, here's how you do it. But the problem is that in our flesh, the being first, the being great, that drive, that effort, that, listen, I want to be great, just like the disciples. I want to be recognized as the leader. I want to be recognized as being fantastic. I want to be significant. You know, everything in life, and and you go to a bookstore or you go online or all these seminars about how to be great, how to be a 
power, how to be a motivational speaker or how to be great at speaking, how to be a great salesman, how to be great at relationships, how to be a great parent, how to be a great husband or a wife, how to be great at whatever it is that you, there's a book on how to be the greatest in everything that you could ever want to do, how to be a great fisherman, how to be a great hunter, how to be a great mechanic, how to be a great at shopping and find all the right deals. Everything. There's all kinds of stuff that you can find about how to be great. Why? Because we want to be. We want to get ahead. Everything about getting ahead, uh, uh, being significant, others to look to you, how I can get honored. And so it feeds the flesh. The problem with that is our flesh, whether you're saved or not, your flesh is sinful. Your flesh gets puffed up. Your flesh gets full of itself. And so therefore there's the problem. And that problem leads to a conflict. That's what happened here. These disciples were getting a little bit full of themselves. Perhaps Peter and James and John, we don't know that. It doesn't say that. But certainly an argument broke up or a discussion broke out. I don't know how you have a civilized discussion about which one of you is the greatest. I don't think that Peter and James and John and the rest of the apostles were going looking at one another going, I think you're the greatest. No, John, I think you're the greatest. No, Peter, really, I think you're the greatest. No, that's not what they were doing. They were saying, I'm the, I want to be the greatest. James and John said, I want the honored seat next to Jesus Christ. You see, their flesh was getting filled up, and it led to a conflict. It led to an argument, and the same thing happens in our lives. Our flesh gets motivated by, oh, I want to be seen as great, or I want to be seen as being a big shot, or I want to have money and power and influence and all these things, and we get filled up. And what happens is, in order to do so, we climb over other people. We push other people down or back. Oh, we may either laugh at kids when they do it, or we get irritated at kids when they keep doing it but we're the same. Let's not deceive ourselves. The whole thing about the corporate ladder is climbing up the corporate ladder, getting ahead, and how do you do that? Well, it's not just be really great at what you do. It's you've got to kind of push the others down, out of the way. Listen, it's a dog-eat-dog world in the secular society and oftentimes Christian society. And so therefore, it leads to conflicts, it leads to arguments, it leads to fights. It did for the disciples, and it did, does, for us. Trying to get ahead. Trying to hold others back. And the third problem with our desire to be great is it causes us to miss the point. We are supposed to be the greatest version of ourselves that we can be as God lives through us, as God works through us, not for our glory, not for our lifting up, not for our puffing up, not for our fame, not for our glory, but for God's. But we are to be the very best version of ourselves that we can be because God made us great. 
He made us special. He made us perfect. He made us in his image. And therefore, he doesn't intend for us to not be wonderful examples. He intends for us to be great. It's, don't read this passage and misunderstood that being great is not something to be desired. It's simply how we do it. And the problem is, is that when we get it out of kelter, if we get it out of, is that a word, kelter? I don't even, if we get it out of joint, if we get it out of order, if we miss the point, then we get it out of order, and guess what happens? We miss the point being that it's not about our greatness. The disciples were called to be different. The disciples were called specially to be the, 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 the inside crowd of Jesus Christ. For what purpose? To serve the kingdom. Not so that we could all look at them and say, man, aren't they fantastic? But so they could therefore spread the gospel. They therefore could minister to people. He taught them how to do it. And so therefore the problem is that we miss the point. It's not about our greatness, it's about His greatness. It's about His greatness in us. If we're saved, if you're a child of God, then He lives in you. And as we've said before, and we'll say it again, we are to let Him out or let Him shine out of us. I often hear people talk about being a reflection. I, I think that misses the point. Personally, I like the idea of letting Him shine more so because people are to see Jesus and not us. We can make the argument about being a mirror. That's true. But the point is, they're to see Jesus. They're to see God working in us. When I get up here and preach, I don't want you to hear Jonathan's words. I want you to hear God's words. And when you look and you see, yeah, Jonathan's right. That's, that's a good point that he's making there. It's not about the fact that we're not supposed to be great. It's if you desire me first, this is how to do it. But what happens is we miss the point, and the striving to be great takes the focus off where it needs to be. The fighting to be first or great causes us to miss that which is important. And so therefore in the world, in a world full of people trying to be first, trying to be great. And again, I don't mean necessarily publicly great or recognize as great publicly because not everybody wants that, but still to think, man, I'm the best. I'm doing really good. I'm a good example. Or I'm really good at this. I'm a good leader. Nobody wants to think I'm a poor leader. I'm a poor example. I'm a poor cook. I'm a poor preacher. I'm a poor whatever. But we miss the point. And what happens is this. Suddenly, our focus gets on being great and it hurts our relationships like our marriages, like our relationship with our children. People want to be great in the workplace and climb the corporate ladder or they want to be seen great in the community and therefore their marriages and their children are neglected. In other relationships, in our relation with workers, we trying to get ahead, and so therefore we push somebody else to the side. Because, hey, you got to get ahead. Got to keep up with the Joneses. Got to be better than the Joneses. Got to make more money. Got to get better titles. Got to get better job. Got to get a better house. I want to have the best house. I want to have the best yard. I, I drive through my yard, and my yard has no chance. 
And it's not because I don't, I, I don't really have time, I guess, but they do a yard of the month in our neighborhood. I have no chance of getting that. If you want a yard full of weeds, the best yard full of weeds, mine might do it. My wife does a great job with the flower beds and, and, and making the porch look pretty. But the yard itself, the grass, which is my job, no chance. But my point is this. They have a thing about the best yard. There's all, everything's about being the best, and we miss the point. I could spend so much time on my grass that I don't spend any time with my children. I could spend so much time in the grass and picking the weeds and planting the grass seed that suddenly I don't have as much time to work on my sermon or to work on uh, the Wednesday night Bible study or whatever it might be. You see, we get ourselves out of focus and say, well, where do you see that here? Because they missed the point of what had just happened. They missed the point of the miracle. They weren't talking about that. They are talking about who could be the greatest. They weren't talking about how could they work together to have a closer walk with God, and so therefore they would have the faith to cast out demons and do the work that God had called them to do. No, they were talking about who was going to be the greatest of them all. By the way, they missed the point because Jesus said for at least the second time, quite plainly, I'm going to die. In fact, really, it was the third time, if you look at it, the second time for the whole group. But Jesus had also said on Mount Transfiguration about what was going to happen to Peter and James and John, and they're still sitting there arguing. They weren't even arguing or discussing that. They just didn't understand it, and they didn't try to figure it out because they were too busy trying to figure out who was going to be the greatest. They missed the point. Sometimes in life, God does things, and you say, why, God, are you making me go through this over and over and over again? Sometimes it's because we're just missing the point of what he's trying to teach us. Why did Jesus several times have to say, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to rise again, and then I'm going to rise again? Why did he have to say it over and over again? Because they were missing the point. Why does God have to teach us lessons over and over again? A lot of times because we're missing the point. Because we're so busy in areas that really don't matter and cause us to miss the point. What matters is not that I think I'm great. In fact, I want you to see this. Let's, let's go ahead and move on for sake of time. I want you to see number two. I want you to see this, the process of becoming great. Because, again, as I said, it's not that we're not to be great. We're to be great at what God has called us to do. What is that? To spread the gospel. To be the very best versions of ourselves we can be so we can be examples of loving, truth-sharing Christians that are reaching out to a lost and dying world and helping people come to Jesus and know Jesus better and working together to that. Why are we not striving to be the very best at that, but instead we're trying to be best at everything else? There's a process of becoming great. A process of becoming great. And I believe it begins at this. Number one, a proper view of self. Now, you've heard the whole Jesus, others, and you. I'm taking that and going reverse. You, others, and Jesus. Because I'm not talking about joy. The Jesus, other, you is the searching for joy. But I want to do it this way because I want you to see we need to have a proper view of ourselves. If we are to become great, the process is we must understand who we are, and humility comes when we know who we are, and we know our value to God. 
And we know that we're loved by God. And our value comes not by how we view ourselves, but by, or anybody else views ourselves, but by how God views us. We can have not self confidence, but God confidence, because God loves us so much that He sent His own Son to die for us, and He wouldn't do that for us if He didn't love us, and if we didn't matter, if it wasn't important, and if that was not the only way that we could spend an eternity with Him. Oh, my friends, I want you to understand that a proper view of self is the view that the, I want you to understand the view that matters. The view that matters. And again, it's not how I look at myself. I said that already, but I want to say it again. And we talked about this in Sunday school a week or so ago. But if I'm focused on how I view myself, then whether I'm doing well or doing poorly, my view of self does this. It's a constant up and down. It's a constant roller coaster. Oh, I know there are people that are disillusioned that just think they're just fantastic all the time, but if they were honest, a lot of that's fake. A lot of that's fake. And if it's not, it's just bravado. No matter how, listen, I, I like to think I'm a pretty confident person. Um, I get accused of being arrogant a lot, which I, I, I don't really like because I'm, I'm, I'm really not. I'm really not. Uh, people say, you think you have all the answers? No, I really don't. I really, I really don't. Um, but I know God does. And I know God loves me. And I know God's in me. And it's not that I think so highly of myself. It's just I think so highly of him. And he loves me. And so therefore, it's not how I view me. It's not, it's, it's not even how others view me. No matter what I do, no matter what you do, you cannot change how others view you. Does that make sense to you? In other words, what you do, you may try all kinds of things. The people please, that doesn't guarantee that a person's going to be pleased with you. What's that old saying about how you can't please, you can never please anybody all the time, and you can't please some people any of the time. That makes sense? No matter what I do, there's going to be somebody, or nobody's going to be like, man, you're just fantastic all the time. I mean, I know my wife thinks I'm pretty fantastic, but there's days that she doesn't, believe it or not. Elaine, you don't believe that, do you? She knows better. I like to think some people think, hey, he did a pretty good job, but guess what? Most days or some days, they don't think that. No matter how good I am at something, no matter how wonderful a husband, no matter how wonderful a father, no matter how wonderful a Christian I am, I'm not going to please everybody all the time. And then there's some people that no matter how good you are, you can't please them any of the time. So therefore, it's not about how others view you. That's not what leads to my humility. That, that, that's not what leads to my being great in God's eyes. It's not about how I view myself as much. It's not about, you, you hear things about people saying, you need to love yourself. And if you don't love yourself, you can't love others. Well, I understand the concept of that, but it's real simple. If I understand God loves me, if I understand God loves me and God accepts me because my faith is in Him and He's forgiven me of my sins, then therefore I don't need to have a self-love problem. 
But it's not the view of others either. The, the view that I need and the view that matters is that God loves me, how God views me, that God desires relationship with me, that God sent his son to die for me. And so therefore, the proper view of self is how God views me. Not am I a good husband, does my wife think so, does God think so? Not am I a good pastor, do the people think so? No, does God think so? Not am I a good father, do, do my kids think so? No, does God think so? No, listen, that doesn't mean you don't want people to think a certain thing. My point is this, I can be a wonderful parent and I can be excellent at love and also discipline, but when I discipline my children, they're not going to be thrilled with me. And so therefore, I can't base it on what they think because I know there's days they get mad at me, but what does God think? And whatever you're doing, be the very best you can be, but according to God's view. That's what matters. He said, well, where are you getting all this from? Because he's the one telling us, here's how you do it. And this is my view. You see, there's a proper view of self and there's a proper view of others. A proper view of others. In other words, what I mean by that is this. I need to have a proper view of others. If I'm going to be great, I need to have a proper view of others. And here's how you understand that. Other people are not my enemy. Other people are not my competitor to be great. Again, the idea of climbing the corporate ladder and I've got to be better than everybody else. No, that's not it. To be great in God's eyes, I need to be great in his eyes. And therefore, it's not about putting others down or pushing others out of the way. They're not my competition. They're not my, they're not my standard in which I'm measuring myself. It's God. And so therefore, my view of others is, is that they are not the enemy. They are not the competition. They are, and get this Clear, plain, and straight. Everybody else that you ever come in contact with or will come in contact with, it's not your enemy, no matter whether they oppose you or not. No matter whether they're competing with you or not, they're not your enemies, they're not your competition. They are, get it plain, get it straight, they are your mission field. And you say, well, I thought the lost were a mission field. No, Everybody is your mission field. I said at the very beginning of this message, but I want to be very plain, very clear right now. Number one is this. Yes, I want to reach people for Jesus, and we often apply that to win them so they're converted and they get saved and they put their faith in Christ and they get baptized, and then I teach them how to be better Christians and what Jesus taught, and there was discipling them, but therefore that means that all the Christians. So the lost is my mission field. My Christian brothers and sisters are my mission field. I want to be a minister to all of them. I want to be a missionary to all of them. And so the proper view of self leads me to a proper view of others. They're not, they're not my enemy. They're not my competition. They're my mission field. And therefore in leadership or being a leader or being the very best I can, I'm lifting up. I'm getting underneath. I'm picking up. I'm not pushing down the corporate ladder, people on the corporate ladder. I'm lifting up. I love sports. I'm almost out of time. I love sports. 
And in team sports, you can have the very best athlete there is. Basketball, baseball, football, hockey, whatever sport you want to think of that is a team sport, you can have the very best player on that team, and it doesn't mean squat for actually winning. Meaning this, if you want to win championships, if you want to be successful, if you want to be the best, the best get others involved and lift up others. You talk about the very best players that have ever been, it's because of them they make others around them better. The saying goes in sports sometimes, that's a naval term, I guess, but they raise all ships. To be great, we must be servants. That's what he's saying here. If you want to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. Verse 35. Going back to my view of self, I've got a lot to learn. As I look at what God, how he loves me, and God cares about me, and God has adopted me into his family, that helps me have a wonderful worth, a confidence. But also my view of self, I understand that I've not arrived. in, In humility, I have confidence in who I am because of who God is and what he's done for me. But I've not arrived. And the disciples sometimes thought they had arrived. That's what they were arguing about. Hey, we're great. Who's the greatest? And Jesus said, hey, listen, you're missing the point. You've got a lot to learn. And that's why it says, as they went through Galilee, he taught, verse 31, his disciples. He taught them. I need a proper view of self, I need a proper view of others, and I need a proper view of God. Very quickly, because I'm out of time, when I have a proper view of God, I see the greatness of God. And therefore, that also helps me see that I'm not the greatest, He's the greatest. I'm not to be seen as the greatest, He's to be seen as the greatest. That doesn't mean I can't be great, that doesn't mean I can't be good, that doesn't mean I can't be first, it means that I put Him first and others first, And that's how I make myself greater. That's the process. He says, I must be a servant, must be first of all, be last, and be a servant of all. The word, he gives the example of a child. Here's the thing, to wrap this up very quickly and and, and to try to finish on time or close to it, is this. In Aramaic, servant and child is the same word. That's why he's tying them together. But I think he's also tying them together because of this. The child is the least of these. And he's bringing in, he said, well, they're not the least of these. They are when you're having a conversation. How many of you grew up, very quickly, I know we're out of time, but very quickly, how many of you grew up with the phrase, children are to be, help me out here, what? Seen and not heard. Why? Because they're the ones that don't matter. I don't mean they don't matter in the course of life. I mean, when adults are around, we're, listen, we're having a conversation. Just sh- not your turn to talk now. Just be quiet. Listen, and listen, I'm not saying that that's wrong in the extent of sometimes kids just want to jabber and you're trying to have an adult conversation, talking about whatever. I understand that. But my point is this. The children, the least of these, 
So therefore, who am I to be a servant of? I'm to be a servant of everybody down to the least, smallest, most insignificant child. And when I am a servant and I am a missionary to the least, to the smallest, to the most significant, that's the process of making myself to be great. Because if I want to be first, I'll be willing to be last. I don't mean that just means like when you're getting in line and you say, no, you go ahead, you go ahead, you go ahead. But in your heart, you say, man, I want to build you up. I want to put you before me. I don't mean just with your words, hoping they're not going to take the last sweet potato dumpling or the last piece of peach cobbler or the last bite of banana pudding or whatever it is. I mean that, you know what, if you do, then fantastic, you got it. Oh, listen, I, we ought to want to build people up to be the best Christians they can be. The best people they can be. To the, the most loved they can be. We ought not to get so caught up in being the greatest in the world's view, but here's the key. Being the greatest in God's view. The greatest in the world's view is to be the one that tells others what to do. To be the greatest in God's view is to be the one that says, hey, you tell me how I can do for you. Why? That's what God did. Sent his son. God, in the form of his son, God, in the form of a man, came to earth to serve mankind to pay the price for mankind. He who was first, he who was God, became the lowest, became the servant, and lived for 33 and a half years on this earth, and three and a half years of it in ministry to uh, the public ministry, minister for 33 and a half years, but public ministry that we have documented, that we see, and the greatest thing that he did was go first in dying on the cross. And then he said, now you come. Not in a physical sense, but take up your cross and follow me. That was just a few verses ago. My friends, listen, if you want to be great, be like Jesus. If you want to be great, be last. Be servant. Be willing to say, hey, I'll get down here. You get up there. I want to make you look good. Not, not just so that you can puff them up, but so that you can build them up so that you can lift them up so i look at it this way my children i'll say this and i'm done i i, I want children whether it be my children or other people's children or people in general i want to lay out the paver stones that lead to the cross and if i can set down some paver stones across the swampy marshy sand or the the swamp area that we tend to sink in in the world and say this is the path to jesus and then you have to walk the path you have to decide but i want to point you to the way because i want to lift you up where you can see him i want to lift him up and if I can pick you up so that you can get a better view, that's what I want to do. And as Christians, as a church, that we ought to do. Our focus in being the greatest and being first is to say, hey, listen, I'm going to lift you up so that you can see the God in which indwells me, the God in which has saved me and can save you. Oh, my friends, be great, but be great for God. Be the very best Christian you can be 
Put others first. Serve everybody. That's how you're great in God's eyes. And that's how you get to the place where he says, well done. That's the recognition. You've heard me say it before, I'll say it again. That in my heart of hearts, listen, that's the recognition I want. I Listen, I like to be, listen, I, I, I love to be where people can see me. Not because I have to be seen. It's just because I, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy getting up and talking. I enjoy being the one to pray a prayer. I enjoy being the one that gets called on. I get that. Others aren't that way, but you can be the very best at what God has called you to be. And it works the same way. Serve. 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 And one day God will say, well done. Good and faithful servant. That's really the only spotlight we need. That's the only crown that we need. And then, of course, we're going to take those crowns that we receive and throw them back at his feet. Because he's the one that does it all through us anyway. He's the one that's worthy of it all anyway. Won't you join me in serving others in this church? Won't you join me in serving others in Vacation Bible School? Won't you serve, join me in serving others in our community, pointing them to Jesus? Won't you be a servant? Be the best servant that you can be. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you.